Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. I'm your host and friend, Reverend Shara McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created just to focus on the tenets that Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of my Ryrie Studies Bible, and you may use any Bible you wish, of course. I have had many spiritual experiences 
And in gratitude, we will be, have ongoing Bible reading. And I'm just focused on being my real self and carrying the message given to me. So here we are every Sunday together. The call-in number this morning is 619-924-9744. And Sacred Sundays airs every Sunday, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. The opening music was by Save Vocal Group from the CD Native Angel by Save. And if you want to order a copy, contact Save, S-A-V, as in Victor, A-E, dot org. And they're on Facebook, and they do live shows. And you can listen to them for free on YouTube. And uh, you can get your CD uh, from them on Amazon. That's where I got my CD. And it's called Native Angels by Sabe. And let's say our opening prayer this morning as we gather just to have some peace and pray and read out the Bible. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. And then we pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide. You know, their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy. We also pray for those whose lives are taken for evil and distorted reasons. And we do believe they have become martyrs, and now they're praying for us. We pray for all those suffering from violence here and abroad. We also pray for those who are sick in mind and body. And we pray for those who are lonely, uncomforted. Please, God, forgive us our sin. We pray for those suffering from domestic violence in their own homes. And we pray for freedom from addiction of all kinds. And please, God, keep my grandson, Mark. Please keep him in your care. Please keep him off drugs and help him get the help he needs. We actually ask those for all the people that are having problems in our families. And we pray for them for mental physical illness or addiction or whatever it is. And we pray for our children for freedom from addiction. Please, God, send your mighty Archangel Michael to fight against evil and protect them and all your angels to watch over everyone. Our prayers go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the animals who can't speak for themselves. We also ask in Jesus' name as we pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers. We have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all countries and for problems of suffering all over the world. We thank you, God, for everything you've given us, all the gifts, all the help, and, of course, your son, Jesus Christ. We ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow into his care. And we want to keep everybody and their families in our prayer. And if you have lost a loved one, they're resting in peace with our Heavenly Father. And we also keep in our mind all the stress and comfort and, and counteract the comfort with prayer. The, get some comfort with prayer when you pray for Jesus. We do ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray for those... Uh, who are suffering and sometimes they're in our home or they're out in the streets and we pray for them to come back in and get help they need and especially uh, keep your prayers in mind for me I have many illnesses and I really appreciate if you pray for me anyway we ask this in Jesus name and okay so I want to also say happy birthday to anybody that has a birthday this morning happy happy birthday uh, we love you and we wish you a very prosperous and a happy year ahead 
And if you wish to uh, wish everybody a happy birthday or a special announcement, just let me know. And uh, again, the phone number this morning is 619-924-9744. So what we are, we actually are in First Timothy chapter 5. And uh, as we read the uh, the summaries and everything, um, we want you to get out your uh, Ryrie book or any Bible you wish, or you can also go online and read your Bible. It's um, www.biblia.com. And um, let's see here. So we're going to read the, um, let's see. Let's just read this. I'm going to start reading that. Okay, so there's a, this, this is titled The Widows of Ancient Rome, First Timothy Chapter 5. The real widows of ancient Rome. Anyway, tongue-in-cheek. Okay, time for some more guidelines. Respect your elders. Seriously, Paul wants everybody to treat older men and women with kindness. And widows, be good to them too, if they're really widows. A real widow is somebody who has no husband, kids, grandkids, or any family to take care of her. Since she has no one else, it's up to the community to take care of her. And if she meets a couple criteria, she has to be over 60 years old, and married only once. And the people have to come forward and say what awesome lady she is. Oh, and she needs to devote herself to God and pray day and night. And if a widow has a family, though, they should be the ones to help her. Otherwise, they're just a bunch of unfaithful jerks. Oops. Anyway, any widow under 60, well, she can just spend for herself, I guess. Why, the widows, the young widows have sensual desires, which Jesus does not approve of at all. And they're also lazy gossip and busybodies. Okay, then. Anyway, Paul thinks these ladies should be just go get married and have some kids. And then, uh, in any case, the community doesn't have to help them out. Sorry, ladies. Anyway, um, you know this is all tongue-in-cheek. But anyway, here it is. Okay, what about elders? These guys are leaders in the church as well. And Paul thinks they should be well-respected and well-paid. And he also lets everybody know that anyone who accuses an elder of a crime better have two or three witnesses to back it up. Note, elders only break laws in front of one person at a time. It's a perfect crime. Anyway, Paul wraps all this up by telling Timothy to follow all this to the letter. Don't bend the rules just because you like or don't like somebody. And he also lets Timothy know that it's cool to drink a little wine every now and then, as long as it's medicinal. Anyway, I guess Timothy's having some issues. But uh, I want to thank schmoop.com for their lively little uh, summary. And uh, anyway, that one kind of. Gave me cross tongue. Uh, okay, so let's now open up to First Timothy chapter five, to give us a much better version of what we're talking about here this morning. First Timothy chapter five, and it's concerning various duties and instructions towards the olders and the youngers. And it's chapter five. Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers. The older women as mothers, the younger women as sisters in all purity. And then towards the widows, honor widows who are widows indeed. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable to the sight of God. Now she who is a widow indeed and who has been left alone has fixed her hope on God and continues 
in entreaties and prayers night and day. But she who gives herself to wanton pleasure is dead even while she lives. Prescribe these things as well so that they may be above reproach. But if anyone does not provide his, for his own, and especially for those in his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. A widow is to be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old and having been the wife of one man. Having reputation for good works and if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, and if she has assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good, but refuse to put the younger widows on the list, for when they feel essential desires and disregard to get married, thus incurring condemnation because they have set aside their previous pledge. At the same time, they also learn to be idle as they go around from house to house and not merely idle, but also gossiping, busybodies, talking about things that are not proper to mention. Therefore, I want younger widows to get married, bear children, keep house and keep the enemy and, and excuse me, and give the enemy no occasion for reproach. For some have already turned aside to follow Satan, unfortunately. If any woman who has a believer and dependent widow, she must assist them and the church must not be burdened so that they may assist those who are widows indeed. Then towards the elders, one over chapter 517, the elders who rule, well, who rule well are to be considered worthy of double the honor, especially those who work at heart in that preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while it is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. And do not receive an accusation against the elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all, so that the rest will also be fearful of sinning. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias and do nothing in the spirit of partiality. But do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily and therefore share responsibility of the sins of the others. Keep yourself free from sin. No longer drink water exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and for your frequent ailments. The sins of the some men are quite evident. Going before them to judgment for others, their sins follow latter. Likewise, also deeds are good, are quite evident, and those who are otherwise cannot be concealed. Yes, that brings us to the end of that. So let's read the notes uh, underneath here. Um, it says, widows who are ordinarily would have no financial means of support, were to be cared for by their families if possible. If support was not available from the source, the church should care for them in such cases of women who are called widows indeed. Younger widows are encouraged to remarry, but those over 60 and destitute should be placed on the official relief roll of the church. These enrolled widows constitute a kind of order of widows who are expected to devote themselves to prayer and good works. The meaning of this, See that these regulations are followed so that both widows and their families will be above criticism in their conduct. And then it says, providing one's own relatives, especially immediate family member, is a believer's duty. Uh, so then being put on a list apparently meant that the congregation supported them, the wife of one man, one man, woman, and married only once, not remarried. 
Uh, wash the saints' feet. This is a menial task to remove dust from the sandal feet. And that's what happened in those days because people walked and they got a lot of dust on their feet. And as a courtesy, uh, when they entered a home, the, the widow would wash their feet. Uh, in some case, the most famous is Jesus watching all the apostles' feet. So we're supposed to follow along and be loving towards the uh, weary travelers. And it says, apparently, these younger widows had pledged not to remarry. And then rather than becoming idle gossips, younger widows are advised to marry and have more children. And uh, women who, as well as men, should assume the support of widows in their family. And then it says double honor, respect and remuneration, meaning money, respect and money, to take care of the older men. And some understand this to mean double pay. In either case, the church is beginning to face the problem of financial support for its workers. And then a quotation from Deuteronomy. The one from Luke ten seven, perhaps written five years before, were also called scripture, a term reserved for canonical, canonical writings. And then five twenty, um, addressing elders of sin, and then uh five twenty one, angels observe what goes on in the church. So I guess every church has an angel. And then five twenty two, lay hands too hastily, often understood as forbidding hasty ordination. It may possibly refer to over hasty receiving of a penitent backslide or back into full worship. And then uh, 523, a little while. These words simply to Timothy that he's a total abstainer and that the advice is given in relation to a medical problem. So that's what's going on for Timothy. He ordinarily does not drink. And then oh, 524, the sins have come obvious on, you know, going before a person. So everybody knows about it. Whereas some of them have hidden and they follow after a person. And that brings us to the end of chapter five. And uh, as again, we're just uh, cautioned to watch our behavior when we're young and when we're old and watch how we treat each other with respect. And then help the widow. If you see somebody that's lonely, help them. And uh, make it your job. And it's the job of their children. But if they don't have any children, then. It's the job of those in the church for women 16 and older. And they, they have a preference that um, if a woman's able to have more more children, of course, um, that she have uh, continue with the family life. And for those who can do that, you know, it's really a blessing to have children in your older ages. I miss all my kids. I started early, so um, they left home early. And um, I just want to thank everybody for listening. and. Uh, you know, some of this stuff is, is hard for us because we're modern and so many things have happened. But what I've been doing is listening to it and accepting it. And uh, St. Paul is the original OG, as they call it. He's one of the original apostles, and we're going to listen to him even if we don't like what we're listening to. And that's part of being uh, a child of God. We just have to listen, and we don't agree with everything. But we do know that it's a foundation of our faith. So that's why we're reading Bibles every Sunday and doing the best we can. So um, anyway, so let's go on to read out of my little faithful guide post book. And I really love the stories over here, and they really help us. And I hope you do, too. And I want to thank everybody that does listen to our little stories and our Bible study in the morning. Thank you. Uh, okay, this one's a call for help, and it's by Teresa Morell. Hoodler in Waldorf, Maryland. 
Okay, the story begins. A rainstorm just ended the late January 1968 morning when the UH-1 Huey helicopter settled into the mud by the 12th evacuation hospital at Chi Chi, South Vietnam. The chopper was a troop carrier, a slick, not the medevac type we're used to. It was full of wounded men, and only minutes before we had been in battle. Their comrades were hastily loaded and flown to us. Most would remain with us, but the urgent cases would be flown to another unit not so far from Chi-Chi. Nurses and medics ran over to rush to the blades to lift uh, wounded through the open sides of the helicopter. Triage was begun. There was the sickly smell of blood and mud and the shout of medics and the moaning of men in pain and the downwind winding whine of the chopper's engine. I had just finished a 12-hour shift and should have been laid back for the hooch, but nurses barracks, but someone called to me. Lieutenant Morell, come here, please. Tell us what to do with this one. I slopped the mud to a medic standing below a low stretcher. Crouching beside the soldier on the stretcher, I observed a massive head wound. He would die if he would not get him to a head trauma unit. I motioned for the IV equipment and leaned toward the soldier's ear. Don't worry, sweetheart. We'll get you out of here. And we'll get you someplace safe. Just hang on. Glancing up to the confusion, I saw a crew members heading back to their slick. Wait, I yelled. We have to take this man on and take him up north. I jumped to my feet and ran towards the chopper, waving. The pilot glanced at his crew. Flying wounded was not their usual duty. He looked back at me and nodded. Soon hands lifted the litter and slid into the open chopper, loading it against a projecting bulkhead near the rear. It took up all but a few inches of the width of the chopper's floor. The, chopper's floor. the door gunners, head bulky in huge protective helmets, climbed into the narrow benches behind the litter, facing outward, sliding in behind a mounted M60 machine gun. It was not common for nurses to fly evacuation runs, and I had never been in a helicopter before, but there was no one else to go, free to go. I scrambled up to the middle floor, behind the pilot and co-pilot seats. Someone tossed me a flat jacket and a standard steel pilot helmet. I noticed the gunners and pilots booking their helmet headsets to the connectors. The crew had now been able to communicate with each other. I had no headset, no ear protectors. My helmet flopped unchecked back and forth, and I was struggling to snap the flat jacket over my fatigues and then check that the patient's IV was securely attached to the hook overhead. The co-pilot told me to hang on to a seat if I needed something, uh, to bang on a seat if I needed something once we were airborne. He would then swing his helmet mic out so I could speak into it. I sat down the flat, on down flat on the vibrating middle floor, my back to the pilot seats. The doors had been left open as if it, the copter had no sides. So it trickled down my face and under my uniform. I watched my patients slowly, closely as the engine wound up in the full pitch. The helicopter lifted up slowly just above the trees and the nose dropping a bit. It moved forward when we were flying. The engine and rotors throbbed through the metal roof and the wind rushed past the open doors. The sounds were deafening. The roar increased as we began to move hundreds of miles an hour. We bobbed just above the contours of the terrain, up and over the jungle, down over the rice paddies and canals. Suddenly, the pilot shouted something about enemy troops below. Simultaneously, the gunners opened up with their machine guns. 
and pilot began to fly evasive maneuvers, banking the copter steeply, first to one side, then to the other. The staccato pounding of gunfire, the roar of the wind, and the whine of the engine mixed with the ear-splitting clash. I forced myself to concentrate on my patient. Hours earlier, I had begun my shift in the daily visit to the chapel area. Now I prayed again, crying out silent, Oh, dear God, don't let my patient die here in all this. Let us get him to a safe place. Suddenly, I noticed the IV had come loose from his arm. He would die. I I banged in the pilot's seat to get him to level off, but he did not even hear me. I clawed across the pitching deck to the litter, and as I leaned over to reach the IV needle, my helmet slipped forward. It would come off and hit the wounded man. I pulled it off with one hand and flung it behind me. Now I was bent over helmlessness, carrying tape with my teeth and in one hand trying to hold the IV in the other. I screamed silently over and over, Oh, dear God, don't let him die here. Don't let him die here. Suddenly the gunner on my left stopped firing. He pivoted sharply 90 degrees and bent over until his head, head covered mine and his mouth was in an inch of my ear. Why is he here? Does he want to speak with me? I wondered as a split second when he posed there, poised there. Then I heard a ping-pang. A bullet headed for my left temple ricocheted off his helmet with enough force to knock him out. The gunners slumped unconscious over me and my patient. His weight was suffocating us, and I shoved his body to the left, and he rolled onto the litter handle, inches from the open door. I didn't know if he was tethered or secured in some way or not, so I grabbed him with my left hand, still holding the IV needle on my right. I was crying. Oh, dear Lord, he'll fall out. Don't let him fall out. Help us, dear God. The prayer screamed through my heart. And it was a little while, a minute, an hour, before the other gunner realized what had happened. He, he spoke with the pilots on his mic, and they, were, they broke off firing and flew straight to the hospital. We landed. I unclenched my clamping fingers over the gunner's fatigue and the patient's ID. IV, sorry. Medics pulled the gunner down and placed him on a stretcher, and then slid the litter, litter to the ground. I first, I headed first to my patient. The IV was still attached, and he was stable, still alive. I touched his arm. Peace, I whispered. He was rushed off, and I never learned of his survival. I ran to another litter and bent over the gunner, grabbing his wrist, feeling his pulse. His helmet off. Well, his helmet off. There's no sign of a wound. In fact, he was only dazed. His eyes opened, and he focused on me as I bent over him. What is it, he asked. What do you want? This was a soldier whose helmet and head covered my bare head with a single bullet splinter second. I just looked at him and said, what do you mean? He spoke again, struggling, and rise up in his elbow. You called me. A few days later, the gunner and I met for a talk over what, talk over what had happened. The Ted offenses were now fully underway. He offered me the, hel- the bullet-scarred helmet as a souvenir, but I insisted that he keep it. I do not remember his name, but over the years, as I repressed most of my Vietnam memories, I always remembered that when I needed protection, my a gunner heard my call for help so loud and clear over the cacophony of noises in the helicopter that he stopped firing, turned, and bent down to see what I wanted. Tearing tape with my teeth, I had not spoken a word. I had only prayed in silence to a God who heard and understood me. Oh, my God, what a beautiful story. Thank you, God. Amen. And as we do go towards this is, uh, Memorial Day for all of our uh, military, we uh, ask in Jesus' name for those who have 
uh, passed away or had been hurt anyway by any war, we keep them in our prayers. And also those who are, are overseas right now uh, serving us, uh, fighting against evil and combating the evilness there. Uh, there's so much going on in the world right now. We just have to hang for each other and keep praying. And uh, praying is good. Praying has uh, helped me so much in every way. And um, let's close out this morning. I want to thank you for listening and thank you for tuning in. And God bless you for and God bless you for your support. And let's say our traditional closing prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know, know the difference. So thank you for joining Sacred Sunday. Come back next week and bring your friends and your family. And you can also listen to archives. And in closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms that you may face whatever is ahead and have that strength. And remember, you're never alone. God loves you. And may your best dream come true and true love live in your heart. We love you very much. And we wish you all the best for this memorial weekend. And as we keep in mind who those who gave their life in service and those who are right now in jeopardy, we pray for God to watch over all of them as their heavenly angels watch over all of them. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Bye-bye. See you next week. Take care. Amen.